Welcome to the Heart of Money podcast, where we discuss the impact that money has on every area of your life, and where you can learn to make smarter money decisions. Join our conversation as we discuss our past experiences, talk about how to make better money management choices, and in the end, make a commitment to being weird. Hey folks, welcome back to the Heart of Money, episode 62. I'm your host, Austin Black, joined shortly by my co-host, Bob Wessler. But before we get started with, with today's episode, I want to encourage you to do two things for me. Number one, I want you to leave a five-star review for the show. This helps us get more exposure, get a wider audience, and most importantly, provides us with some outstanding feedback on what you like about the show, what you want to hear more about, and just gives us an opportunity to connect with you, the listener. The second thing I want you to do is subscribe to the podcast so you get that episode on your listening device every single Friday whenever we come out with a new episode. So leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show, and I really appreciate your participation and listening every single week. Now, this week, we're going to start a four-part series on the Atomic Habits for Finances. We're digging deep into the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, and it's January. It's the beginning of the year. It's the perfect time to start new habits, set new goals, and really dig into your money at the beginning of the year to make this year even greater for your for your finances, for your family, for everything in your life. So we're going to take a four-part series, a four-week study of this book Atomic Habits, apply it to our finances, apply it to money management, and learn how we can make incredible changes with small and small actions that we take every single time, every single day. So let's jump right into the first episode of our series on atomic habits for finances. Hey folks, there's one thing that I've learned in two years of coaching, and that is that everything starts with communication. If you can't talk about money, you can't manage money. And if you have a hard time getting on the same page with your spouse and communicating with them in an in a effective manner, then you're not going to be able to agree upon how to manage your money, pay down your debt, save for retirement, whatever you want to do. Well, I've learned the six secrets to having healthy money conversations, and I want to give you access to that training today at freedommoneycoach.com slash moneyconversations. It's the six steps that I have discovered that are really key and fundamental to you and your spouse getting on the same page about money, talking about it, understanding it, and ultimately winning with it. So hop on over to freedommoneycoach.com slash moneyconversations. Get your course, get the six secrets to healthy money conversations, and begin winning with money by talking about it the right way. Bob, good evening. How's it going today? It's going well. How about you? It's pretty good. We know we're we're at the the tail end of the year and the month. So, in fact, Laura and I just got done this morning doing kind of our goal review and outlook on how this last year went, what next year should look like, what's are we on track for our five year goals. So today I'm kind of feeling halfway inspired and halfway. Um, overwhelmed and <laughs> what's on the table to actually try to accomplish and how we're doing. But overall, I think I'm doing pretty good today. It's been a good day to be alive. Well, it, it, it looks like you're still breathing and uh, sounds like that she didn't put you <laughs> under after the conversation. So <laughs> you must be tracking a little bit. Right, right. We're at least on the right train of thought anyway. There you go. Hopefully the train's going the same direction. Most of the time. There's there's occasions when we divert, but most of the time, yes, we're we're moving on the same track. 
Well, man, um, I know we got a great conversation tonight and, you know, who knows how long we're actually going to make this because we're just going to talk as long as it makes sense to talk because there's a book that you and I both really like um, by James Clear called Atomic Habits. And we've had a chance, you know, to each you more so than me, but to each kind of dig into this book and and really, I think it, it is it is definitely. If anyone out there has not read this book, it is one of the best books that I've ever read, especially for personal development. And I don't know very many <clears throat> um, leaders or people who aspire for better things in their life that have not read this book or recommended this book or heard about this book. It is it's one of those must read additions. Um, so if you haven't, be sure to pick it up again, atomic habits by James clear and Bob. Um, I know you and I are going to take a little bit of a different look because the book is all about, you know, just habits for your overall life and your overall, um, journey, whether that be, you know, job or your family or, or whatever it is. Um, we're going to kind of, of narrow that down tonight to money and to finances and how you can apply these principles that James talks about in his book to your financial management. And you have studied this book a lot more recently and a lot more in depth than I have. So I'm, I'm going to uh, excitedly uh, allow you to kind of walk us or walk me through really, I guess, um, this book and this concept and, and what you learned. And, and uh, I'm excited just to share our thoughts and our concepts around this because I think not only is the book powerful, but um, you know, whenever you apply these principles to your money, it is extremely potent and beneficial to your overall success. So I'm excited about that. Um, what's uh, I guess let's just kind of jump right into what, what's, what's been your thoughts as you okay. have, have gone through this book more recently and, and really kind of applied it to you. What's kind of been the big picture that you've seen occurring? Um, I will tell you from one standpoint, a lot of the stuff in it is a no-brainer. Um, none of it is truly revolutionary from James's perspective. Um, he starts out by saying that a lot of the content he's borrowed from others, and that's basically what we're going to do tonight is right. basically take what he has put in his book and um, Put a little twist on it towards money because the book itself is geared more toward uh, habits in life and how to get better. In fact, one of the first things that he talks about is being getting 1% better every day. Um, just being able to do just one small thing, which is the whole idea between behind Atomic, is it's the small change that you can make that compounds over time. Um, so... I know that you and I have talked about this book, oh gosh, for I'm not even going to say how long now, but months. Months. <laughs> about going back through it and um, putting some airtime to what we've learned and the whole idea of not just looking at it from the habit side, but looking at it from a money perspective. And there are a couple of quips at the end of the book on how you can apply it to business, on how you can apply it to parenting. Um, if you have not read it or listened to it, um, I highly recommend it. I have borrowed it from the library on um, oh, the Libby app for listening to it. I've listened to it four times. Uh, I pick up new stuff every time, but 
in preparing for us to have this conversation, I really want to take every piece of it and say, how can I flip what he has said and put a money perspective on it? Because like I said, he doesn't necessarily go at it from a money perspective. So I'm kind of putting the Bob twist on the James clear commentary <laughs> that he's picked up. Um, over the years. So if this gets back to James that we're doing this, you know, my hat's off to him and it's a great, uh, great book. Uh, definitely something that I've given away, uh, as Christmas present and my daughter will get away from having to read the whole thing by listening tonight. If she, uh, <laughs> is <clears throat> going to do the podcast rather than reading the book. But I mean, there are so many highlights and dog ears that I've got on this book. I don't know how we're going to get through all of it. Um, and I hopefully do some justice to what James has written um, and being able to communicate it from a monetary or financial standpoint, rather than just a life goal standpoint. So, yeah. Um, well, and, and coming in, you know, we're going to be releasing these basically next week, I guess, you know, we're recording last week in December. These are going to start releasing the first week in January. So, I think personally, you know, this is a extremely timely conversation to have. Um, I guess, you know, I just said a minute ago, you know, my wife and I were setting goals. Um, so hopefully as people listen to these episodes, whether you're listening to them as they come out in January, whether you come across us in May or whether you're hearing this two years from now, you know, we're at the end of 2022 right now. If, maybe if you're hearing this two years from now, um, these are going to be very, very applicable, um, I think, tactics and strategies and concepts that you can apply anytime. But I really hope that people can can get a hold of these right now today as as we are releasing these and apply them as we come into the beginning of the year. We're setting those goals. We're setting those, you know, I don't like the word resolutions, but some people still kind of follow them within that. Just these new habits, these new tactics and strategies uh, to make a big difference. So it's my hope that that the timing of these episodes coming out in January will equip our listeners to uh, really make 2023 a year that they can create some truly atomic habits within their money. So, yeah, Bob, I know you got a lot of stuff um, that you've marked that you've gone through. Um, I know there, I believe there's, there's four main pillars in this book. Is that correct? That he kind of goes mm -hmm. through um, those those kind of four frameworks. So, do you just want to kind of start at the beginning, or what makes the most sense to you? I'll let you kind of lead how you want to get into it and and start covering stuff. Yep, I'm going to start at the beginning with page 212. Um, and you can download a printable version of this habits cheat sheet at atomichabits.com slash cheat sheet. Uh, you talk about the four pillars, he calls them laws. Uh, again, that's at atomichabits.com slash cheat sheet. And the, the four laws, there are ways to create a good habit and ways to break a bad habit. And they're basically the inverse of each other. So uh, to create, create a good habit, you need to make it obvious. You need to make it attractive. You need to make it easy. And you need to make it satisfying. The inverse of making it obvious is making it invisible. <clears throat> the inverse of making it attractive is to make it unattractive. Are you writing all these down? I'm trying to go slow, just, you know, so I <laughs> make sure you're keeping up here. Third law of making it easy. The, uh, the flip side of that is make it difficult. And 
to break a bad habit instead of making it satisfying, make it unsatisfying. Now, these are all, like I said before, groundbreaking. Um, I think depending on the age of our listeners, the whole book we've probably heard at some point in our life, but he puts it all together in a way that is, um, makes a lot of sense. And like I said, nothing groundbreaking, but there are a lot of aha moments in it. So, um, I'm not even going to go in order of the laws. One thing that I'm going to say on the third law, making it easy. The first thing that came to mind as far as um, budgeting goes and just your money in general, making it easy is doing a bucket, doing a budget, um, having sinking funds or in having a, as I'm making it easy and completely forgetting my train of thought with that was um, having automatic deductions out of your account, out yep. of your either checking account or your payroll check or whatever it is. Um, it's a whole lot easier to, in essence, set it and forget it and let um, a savings account accrue or a um, investment account, <clears throat> a 401k, um, set it at a dollar amount or percentage it comes out before you even get your check. You don't miss it because you never got it to begin with. So that was right. one of those things that making it easy, uh, being able to set those things up once and then not thinking about them. Uh, now, as you talked about setting goals, going back and looking at them at a quarterly or annual basis is probably a good idea um, just to see where you need to be with your finances and your goals. Uh, but that was one of the big ones that I took away from making it easy. Yeah, and, and as you're talking about just the whole budget concept, and we've we've talked about it a gazillion times, and it will stay a main part of the conversation, uh, you know, of of budgeting and its importance within financial management. One of the things that pops in my mind that I just recently talked about with the client was, you know, in order to everyone gets so antsy and. Um, just unsure of how to start a good budget. And oftentimes we think it has to be this perfect and complex and just, you know, very structured plan of where our money is supposed to go. And the reality is it is whatever you want it to be, whether that is 10 categories or 30 categories. Um, you know, I, I walked my clients through kind of a set of frameworks of the different main categories to really simplify how to plan out that money because it's one thing if you know how much money <clears throat> you have coming in, you can allocate it to all your different bills, but no budget is the same every single month. And I think, you know, to your point of making financial management easy, not only with your, your automatic withdrawals, and your automatic deposits, and just the flow of that money being set up in a very um, easy you know, automatic manner, but also in how you make that budget, uh, creating it to where it is an easy budget to plan and to implement. Um, you know, you're not getting overly extensive with it. You're keeping it tailored to what you want to do. I think is also a, a big part that a lot of people just don't realize, you know, that, um, mm -hmm. that you, you can make it as simple or, or as complicated as you need to, but that, and finding an easy formula to your budget, makes that budget flow smoother, makes your automatic payments um, work 
you know, right along with it. So that's something else that as you were talking about easy uh, kind of popped in my mind as, as a recent occurrence. Yeah. The, one of the ironies of the book and talking about a budget is you get through three quarters of the book before he talks about measurement. Uh, <laughs> the whole idea is you want to create your habits. You want to um, identify what your good habits or your bad habits are. Um, if you're wanting to get rid of bad habits, you need to identify what they are. If you're wanting to implement good habits, you need to identify what that is and then how you go about how you're mm -hmm. going to do that, how you're going to uh, make a repetition, how many times it takes to get that uh, activity into a consistent and then um, an, a, a habit that you don't even realize that you're doing, which takes yeah. time. And one of the things that I think we have heard in our time, in our lifetime about how many days it takes to get a mm -hmm. habit um, structured, it's not number of days, it's number of repetitions. So, you know, it's about doing something for 21 days versus doing something for um, 10 times in 21 days. You're more likely to form that habit if you've done it 10 times a day for 21 days versus once a day for 21 days. Um, yeah. So the and it's, idea it's interesting of, whenever you're talking about just that, that repetition. And I, I believe that James goes into this. He, maybe he doesn't. Um, but I, I find it very interesting what mentally gets programmed and ingrained as you are doing those mm -hmm. repetitions, you know, I think back even anything that you're going to practice, even if it's not a habit, but it's a skill and, and a, a activity that you're going to practice and become good at, you know, whether that's, you know, I, I'm thinking of, you know, going out and, and roping or shooting or playing the guitar or, or whatever you're going to do that requires, you know, the muscle memory requires the consistent um, activity of doing that. You know, the, the repetition makes it where you don't even think about what you do. Your body just reacts. And mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy studying how the mind works in that way, too, where, like you're talking about, it becomes that just automatically what you do, the habit that, that you possess. And, you know, your repetitions, the more you do those, like you said, it does become just that natural activity that you don't even think about you know, doing a budget every month. That's mm -hmm. just what you do. It becomes that part of your routine. Um, but yeah, you're, you're, you're programming that, that fascinates yeah. me when you talk about just how the brain works and how you can control what you're going to do and what you're not going to do by forming those repetitions and graining that system within your head. It's, it's our brain's a powerful item. Yep. And, and he calls it habit tracking, which I transformed that into budgeting from the standpoint of you're tracking what you spend. And over mm -hmm. time you get one, you track what you spend to get an idea of how you're spending money to figure out if you're spending money in the way that you should or shouldn't, or if things need to be changed. And like you said, with a budget, how you tweak that from one month to the next. And, you know, we've both been budgeting for quite a while now where, it wasn't necessarily easy to start, but the more you do it, it does become a habit that I think we've had a conversation that, you know, anytime I spend money, I track it the same day. You go back and you make sure that you've tracked it at least what once a week, if I remember correctly from one of our that, previous that's conversations. That's my goal sometimes at the end once every two weeks, but yeah, once a week is definitely my goal. 
Yep. Um, so it's the idea of measuring how you want to perform and how to get better. <clears throat> and I'm going to go ahead and apologize now because like I said, we went to page 212 to start the conversation and I went to <laughs> law three on my first point. And so we're going to jump around quite a bit. And if you don't follow, you just need to go read the book and have James read it to you on the audio version. But <laughs> there you go. Um, that, that would be a, that'd be a fun experience right there. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> in your measurement and in your tracking, I think one of the first conversations we had about how we could make this more relevant to just financial um, application and not just life was really the basis. When I started reading it, the first chapter or close to the beginning of the book was um, what the whole process was for forming habits. And I said, that's the basis of my coaching is that it's not where you are. It's where you want to go is the important mm -hmm. piece. And you set your goals, but you create a system to attain your goal. And the idea is not that you're looking at that goal every day, but you're performing the system on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the points that he makes is, you know, if you're in a football game, do you have to look at the scoreboard every two minutes to determine if you're winning or losing? Or do you play the game? Do you block and tackle? Do you throw? Um, do you make yardage? Do you throw first for first downs? Do you make the touchdowns? What is it that's important? It is, is it the fundamentals of how you play the game or what it says on the scoreboard? Um, <clears throat> and what he comes away with is basically saying that you don't have to look at the scoreboard in order to win the game as long as you, and again, paraphrasing, <clears throat> as long as you're back blocking and tackling, you're gaining yardage and you're moving the ball forward to the end zone. And then on the opposite side of it, you're blocking your opponent. You're stopping your opponent from doing the same. You'll win the game and you don't have yeah. to look at the scoreboard all the time. Um, in my coaching, what I say is you ask where you want to go. How are you going to get there? What are the first steps? Have we completed those first steps? Well, if there's a misstep somewhere, <clears throat> what happened to create the misstep? How do you avoid having that misstep again? And how do you get forward progress past where you are today? So it's a continuous cycle of improvement. Like he said, the 1%, uh, getting 1% better every day is that process of starting with <clears throat> point A and getting to point B and taking the critical steps to get there in your system over time. Uh, which allows you to reach your goals or make the, your habits. Um, I'll let you interject there before I go on. Cause this is, there's a whole lot of stuff here. So. <laughs> well, and it, I think it goes back to the fundamentals of goal setting. Um, and like I mentioned that this is fresh on my mind because of what happened today and what, what we did and what we've been doing. Um, in fact, in one of our conversations today about one of our goals, I was, we were trying to decide, okay, do we take care of a situation that's happening right now and wait to take care of something that we want to happen in the future? Or do we keep, are we able to do both of them? And, you know, the, the frame of reference that I ended up having was, 
it's important to, in some manner, do the one that you want to happen while still taking care of the one that's right in front of you. And that is all based upon that why and that that big picture, that drive. When things get difficult, you are not going to change your habit. You are not going to implement your goal. You're not going to achieve any level of one. You're not. You're, you're going to go backwards down that slide. And he has that slide in there of you know, the one percent each day versus mm-hmm. staying put. And I, if I remember right, um, maybe you can can refresh me. The one percent each day was like a what, what was the is a tra- traumatic increase in by a year's time how much better you would be versus if you stay still, you actually end up going backwards because you're not moving forward and you have a reduction in your ability. So you, if you just stay still based upon not having that, that goal and that vision and that why of what you want to accomplish, you go in reverse. You know, you you don't just stand still. You Mm -hmm. actually start backing up and that is especially as we look at like you know the 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 cost of time on money there's so many people out there that i see that they are investing they aren't saving because they're worried about right here right now taking care of what's in front of them and by not having that bigger picture goal of what would it look like if we did start saving investing changing our habits our behaviors our money management here today, how's that going to improve today? And how's it going to improve one, five, 10 years from now? But without mm-hmm. that, that big picture of where we want to go, all you see is right here, right now. And you, you don't know, even know how to come out of that, how to get around that and how to really make that happen. So yeah, I, I see it applying in money. I see it applying in life. I see it applying in our personal development, in our, in our jobs. If you don't, get that mission and that vision and that drive, you will go backwards, not forwards. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the whole idea of beginning is half done that the right. only way you're going to start the journey is by taking the first step. Um, mm-hmm. A journey of a million miles begins with the first step and then taking the next step uh, again, jumping around at one point, he says the, the best way to make a habit and the best way to continue is to never make a habit of skipping more than one day. Right. And that's not exactly how he says it, but in essence that if you miss a day, so what it happens, Mm -hmm. we're human. You spend money on a impulse buy you, you know, whatever, however you in essence screw up with money or another example, going to the gym, uh, you skip a day at the gym, you, the infamous leg day, you skip leg day. <laughs> you never do it twice because once you've done it twice, you've now created a habit that's taking you the other direction. Mm-hmm. So you, you miss one day. <clears throat> it, it happens. No big deal. Don't beat yourself up. Get back on the horse. Great analogy there. And just keep moving <laughs> forward. Right. Don't beat yourself up because you struck out once. Um, and so that was one of his points in there is that you always want to keep forward progress. If you ever have a miss, 
brush it off, keep going. If you have something where you see that you're <clears throat> going the wrong direction or you've taken a misstep, figure out what that misstep is and get yourself back on track. So, um, well, and once again, thing just that, a lot of stuff in there. So as we're talking about this whole, um, creating your goal, creating your why, your vision, you know, what, what that looks like for your life. I think a lot of times as we are trying to implement a new habit or set a new goal, we do it from a standpoint of this is something that I would like to see happen. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't come from a standpoint of this needs to happen because of X, Y, and Z, or this is what I want to become. It's just a, <clears throat> if this happens, great. But the honest reality of it is it's not something that we are driven to accomplish. It's kind of on that wish list. And having an effective why comes down to what is the real inner core of why you want to do this. You know, one, one of the goals I had this last mm-hmm. year was to improve my, my morning routine by being able to wake up earlier. I did pretty good for about the first four months, and then I kind of lost the steam, and I never really got back to it. I had a good desire and a good wish to be able to get up and, and start my day off you know, strong and everything else, but the reality was I didn't care enough about the repercussions or the results of, of not doing that or doing that to stick with it. It became something like, you know, you know, yeah, I'd like to do that, but I can't, you know, I just, I'm not, it's not going to happen this time. So that kind of went out the window. That habit did not get implemented because I didn't have a strong enough desire within myself to say, this is why I need to do that. This is why I want to do that. And I will do whatever it takes to make that happen. On the flip side, my wife and I went on more dates this year than we have in our entire marriage because we set that goal. We implemented that habit of, you know, we're going to go on six date nights this year. We made it happen. That was an action that I had a strong calling and desire to, to spend more time with my wife, to be more connected to her. So we made it that a priority because of everything else around it and, and, you know, develop that into a habit that we conducted. Um, But your why has to be grounded in something that, is very meaningful and very important, not just a, we'll try this year and see if, if we can grind it out and make it work, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and he compounds on the idea of finding your why, um, taking Simon's thought process there with the why, but it's actually, he comes at it from the standpoint of who am I? Because yeah. you're not going to do something that is counter to who you believe you are. Uh, the, ins- the, uh, the example in the book was someone who used to be a smoker versus someone who doesn't smoke. Um, the whole idea is in refusing a cigarette because I'm not a smoker and someone who chooses not to smoke. Well, somebody that chooses not to smoke, they identify potentially as someone who used to smoke and he is trying not to smoke anymore versus mm-hmm. someone who used to smoke and says, I'm not a smoker has a different identity about themselves that makes it easier to refuse. Um, yeah. 
let's say that temptation. So in, in anything that we do, part of that is the why, but the other side is the identity that if I don't, if my habits don't match who I see myself as or who I'm trying to become at the point that I say I am a runner, I'm not, but <laughs> if that's who I want to become, I have to have the mindset of I am a runner. You know, you start off mm -hmm. with, well, what would a runner do? Well, a runner would put their shoes on and they'd go for a jog or they'd, you know, there's the whole program of couch to half marathon or whatever it is that they have. You have to start with, again, the little steps that move you mm -hmm. towards that goal. But if you don't do, if you don't identify yourself as what you're wanting to become, you're not going to have the drive and the mentality to be who you want to be because it's not the persona you have identified yourself as. Absolutely. I think that was probably one of my favorite parts about the book because in, in my mind, you, and we talked about this so many times before, <clears throat> you know, as you, I don't want to use the word manipulate, but as you, um, create or, you know, redefine your mindsets, your thought process, what your goals are and how you're going to accomplish those. And we talked about how it's a lot of it is in what you believe you're capable of doing, right? And and the limitations you put upon yourself, the opportunities that you give yourself, the motivation and the desire that you have to to change your mental process to accept that and support it and believe it. And that's something that you know, I have continually tried to press upon myself is the identity of who do I want to become? Now, what does it take to become that person? Not just these are the goals I'm going to set and I hope that I get them done this year because that's, you know, what I want to get done. But that's, you know, I've learned what I am and what I'm not. And I've learned what I want to become, you know, the person that I, that I want to end up being. So that whole identity development, you know, really spoke to me in this book. And I've heard so many examples of, of how that has come to fruition. In fact, um, there's one story I heard um, a, a software company um, by the name of, of ClickFunnels. I was listening to one of their, their marketing events. They had a speaker come up and he was talking about how, you know, as a business owner, your mindset is what dictates your success. You know, if you believe you will be successful, mm -hmm. then you will attain success. If you don't believe you're going to be successful, you're never going to get there. It's all in what you think. And the story that he shared was he decided up in one day that he was going to be a drummer. He said, I have no musical ability. I've never played the drums. I am, I'm not a natural born person to, to do this at all, but I wanted to become a drummer. So he said, the first thing I did was I went and bought a pair. I went and bought a set of drums He goes, they showed up in my house. I've never played them before. I don't know the first thing about it, but I sat down and I started banging on those drums. And then finally, you know, he, he went through the process of as he kept playing, he realized, you know, how bad he was, but he still decided, I'm going to be a drummer. I am a drummer. So he went and got lessons. He, he got a better set. And he came to where he actually became a really good drummer. He, he created that, that identity within himself by believing that that's who he was now. He did the tactics to make it happen. That's the result he came up with. You know, I've seen it so many times. But, yeah, this was one of my – my favorite parts of that book because it it puts the control I think in in our hands in our court of if you want mm -hmm. to develop atomic habits 
become the person that has those atomic habits. Don't force those atomic habits mm -hmm. upon yourself. Embrace those atomic habits because you know this is who you are becoming, not who you wish you were. There's a big difference there. Mm -hmm. Yep. And one of the other things he points out is um, in these laws, being able to surround yourself with like-minded people. The mm -hmm. And this was a, a concept that we've talked about before um, Ken's book, The Proximity Principle, be mm -hmm. around the people that you want to emulate. You know, if you want to be a millionaire, be around millionaires, learn what millionaires do, think like a millionaire. They will encourage you to be become a millionaire uh, simply in hanging around those type of people because your habits will reflect the habits of those you associate with. Um, you know, if you want to be a... <clears throat> a bum on the street and you go hang out with a bum on the street, you're going to be a bum on the street. If you want to be right. a millionaire, you need to go find a millionaire and hang out with a millionaire. There, there, the way there's a smoke you shop to live your life. for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea of who you surround yourself with determines, you know, the whole idea of show me the five closest people that you are spending your time with and you can see how your life will end up based on mm -hmm. those five people. That this was the idea of the more that you surround yourself with the things that you want in your life, the more likely they are to, to occur simply because those are the types of mentalities that you're surrounding yourself with. And Bob, how many times do we see people that say they want to <clears throat> be financially secure, financially independent, yada, yada, whatever else, but they never actually talk to someone who has done that. They just embody yeah. the sentiment that it can't be done. And no matter how mm -hmm. bad they want it, it just can't be done. How many times have we heard that from people? Yeah, it just is not. They want it, but they can't see it for themselves. And the whole idea behind the book, if you don't see it for yourself, it's not going to happen because you're not embodying that in your own mentality. Um, the whole thought process of that somebody else, oh, they did it. Oh, they're so lucky or they had it given to them or for whatever reason it was. Um, it, it's for them and not for me. And we've had that conversation mm -hmm. over and over again. And I think if I'm going to jump to another book, the millionaire next door mm -hmm. is the whole idea of the millionaire next door doesn't look like a millionaire, but they are because of their habits and how they spend their money, their resources, their time that you don't even have to hang out with them. You can take what 20 years now, 40 years of study and say, this is how they lived. If I want to mm -hmm. be this type of person, these are the things that I need to do. It helps even more if you find a group of millionaires that you get to live those practices or become that mentality um, over time. You don't become a millionaire overnight. You know, the, anybody that's, and I'm going to butcher this, but the idea of um, 20 years of overnight success, you know, nobody sees that 20 years. They see right. you being the overnight success when you have hit your million but it took 20 years to get there. 